Hello and welcome to the Methodist Podcast, published on the 15th of September 2022. Be you a royalist or otherwise, the announcement last week of the Queen's death was unarguably an historic one. With 70 years of service to her country and to the Commonwealth, this week's special podcast reflects a little on her life and on Methodism. We hear from Methodist Central Hall Westminster about the part they'll be playing in the plans for the Queen's funeral and a little of her visits there. We explore Methodism's relationship with the monarchy. We hear from a minister born in Canada, a presbyter with the Methodist Church here in Britain, on what the Queen meant for those in the Commonwealth. And Leslie Griffiths, a member of the House of Lords, reflects on the Queen's life. We begin this week's special podcast with a prayer shared with us by the Vice President of the Methodist Conference, Anthony Botang. Creator God, we give thanks for the life of Her Most Gracious Majesty, Queen Elizabeth II. We honour her life of service, built on a firm foundation of faith and an exemplary commitment to duty. At this challenging time for this nation, grant us words to speak when words are all we have, to ease the pain of those who mourn, and to show our loving care. We especially pray for King Charles III, that he might lean upon Christ the only perfect word, whose kingdom is love. We pray that God will unfold him. Christ will uphold him. And the Holy Spirit will guide him in all things until all weeping has passed and flickering hope parts the shadows at last. We offer our prayer in the name of Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Amen. Methodist Central Hall Westminster is just across the road from Westminster Abbey, in that part of the capital closely associated with matters of constitution and faith. The Superintendent, Reverend Tony Miles, spoke to me about how the news of the Queen's death was received there. Well, I, I mean, we have been expecting that this would happen at some time or other, but uh, it all caught us by surprise, as it caught everybody by surprise. In fact, we've just been having meetings about uh, London Bridge and uh, whether we've got everything in order just prior to this. So, um, But it was a shock, and nobody was expecting uh, the Queen's death at that particular time, especially after her just welcoming new Prime Minister in uh, Liz Truss. I mean, we all thought that, uh, you know, she, she did look frail in that photo that was in the pictures, but uh, in, the, in the papers. But it was lovely to um, see her then, but such a shock. And because of the position you're in here in Westminster, there's a lot of things are going on around the building here. What's been happening in this area? 
Well, we are opposite Westminster Abbey, so uh, our building, uh, which is also a conference centre, has had for years and years and years the, the contracts from the world's media for royal events. So, for example, um, at the moment, uh, all the media are uh, camping out here and we have studios on all our roof spaces. So we have uh, BBC, uh, C, uh, CBS, ABC, NBC, Global, all sorts of other um, media outlets based here to uh, bring their coverage of, of the royal funeral. So um, as well as the church marking the fact that the Queen has died, we've had special services uh, for that. We're also here have a ministry to the media and a hospitality to the media, feeding them, uh, sorting out cable runs, power. Uh, we've got generators all around the building uh, so that the, the world can actually see the coverage uh, because we have the best vantage point for it from our building and it's one way that we can support the abbey we have a really good relationship with westminster abbey uh, we work together with them uh, on a number of uh, things and we have a good relationship uh, just personally um, but this is one way we can support them by giving hospitality to those who are covering the event so that they're actually staging the event uh, which is a, a tremendous act of christian witness because of our queen's faith and because of the content of the service and the words that will be said, the prayers that will be said. Um, our part, perhaps, is not so much proclaiming the gospel, although we can do that uh, as we use social media and as we have our services. But one way we can assist is by being the hospitality to the media to understand them and to support them. You mentioned about the service. How has the death of the Queen and the accession of the King been marked by Methodist Central Hall? Yes, we had a, a service last Sunday uh, when we particularly uh, uh, thought about um, the late Queen. Um, I was mentioning that it's as though we've lost a pillar in our lives, uh, somebody who's a respected sovereign, who's provided constancy, stability and reassurance in, in troubled times. And, you know, we, we wanted to actually mark the fact that she'd been the head of state for 15 countries. And during her 70-year reign, she'd worked with 15 prime ministers, for example, from Winston Churchill to Liz Truss. Uh, Her Majesty was still working at the age of 96 and she had that wonderful Christian witness uh, a person of decency integrity and humility and so in our service we wanted to celebrate that aspect of her life but also uh, people have been very very upset here um, we'd also lost a, a younger member of our church very recently so there was grief in the air before the queen uh, died so it was quite an emotionally charged service but it was a beautiful event um, uh, because of the queen's faith and, uh, and our knowledge uh, that she's now going to be with the Lord and enjoying eternity forever. And of course, we were able to pray for King Charles III and to sing the national anthem 
uh, as God Save Our Gracious King, uh, which was the first time it was sung here. This coming Sunday, the 18th, uh, of course, is the day before the funeral. And I've only just said that we will be able to have a service because there will be millions of people, even the day before the funeral here in Westminster. One of our concerns is would people actually get to the building? So we've been negotiating with the police and others to just make sure that we can actually get into the building. But we're intending to have uh, uh, services on Sunday uh, that we hope lots of people in the area will come and join us as well. So that's what we're doing um, to, to mark the death of our Queen, um, but also to pray uh, for the King and for the royal family. And the Queen, I understand, have visited um, the building at Westminster Central Hall before, hasn't she? Yes, indeed. She's been here on a, a number of occasions. I think the first occasion was in 1937, and we've got a lovely picture of her uh, as a, a younger woman <laughs> um, here in the building. Um, but also in 2003, she was here for the signing of the Anglican uh, um, Methodist Covenant, and uh, my predecessor, uh, the Reverend Martin Turner, was here uh, for that event, and some of our, our members of the church were involved in that service. In fact, uh, one of our members was there actually carrying uh, the covenant at that time. And also in 2005, at the 60th anniversary of VE Day, she was here for a service again. Uh, Reverend Martin Turner was here, and I'm sure she's been on other occasions as well, but those are the ones that stand out at the moment. And the royal family have been here on, on a number of occasions for different events. And, and being so close to the Abbey, um, we feel that the, the Abbey is a royal peculiar. Um, it's, uh, it is the church that serves uh, the monarchy and so you know we, we do have that link that is very special to us and how about you personally as, as minister here how did the news of what happened on Thursday affect you well, if I'm honest, at first you go into kind of response mode. You know, as soon as, as soon as I heard, I was busy writing a prayer uh, to share for others because we wanted others to be able to have access to to a resource. Um, so I was busy, but it, you know, as soon as you pause, um, uh, yes, you take it in as you're writing a prayer and everything. Um, but it, it it does hit you. She's been a constancy in our in our lives for. Uh, you know, most of us have not known life without the Queen on the throne. So it, it is a change. And as I mentioned earlier, we, we have lost someone recently in the life of the church that's really hit us. So uh, yet more sad news adds to the sense of, of grief in the air. But also, I, I think it's a huge time of uncertainty at the moment. Um, the cost of living crisis, we've got the, the situation in Ukraine, um, and many other things, climate change. Uh, people are uncertain and uh, it's going to take a while, I think, for, for, for people. And I hope people will turn to God, look to God for strength, uh, find Jesus the rock uh, during this time um, and that we can rebuild uh, a sense of, of hope. Uh, and pull together. I, I believe the Queen would be saying to us that we do need to unite together. It's one thing that she said on one occasion, that the teachings of Christ have served as my inner light, as has the sense of purpose that we can find in coming together for worship. 
And so I'm saying to people that I think that the Queen would be saying to us, yes, let's gather together, let's unite, let's pray, let's seek the Lord, and let us pray that he will give us that sense of hope for the future. The Methodist Church is, of course, a very different church from that of our siblings in the Church of England. Reverend Norman Woolwork is one of those who's been involved in some of the decisions around the Methodist Church's formal relationship with the royal family on matters such as whether the National Anthem should be included in our hymn books. I asked Norman to tell me a little of what the relationship is between the Methodist Church and the monarchy. Well, of course, Methodism isn't isn't a state church, but it is established by law because uh, when it came into being in 1932 with the amalgamations, it all went through an act of parliament. And there's been another act of parliament when we revised uh, the way we did things. So we are established by law. And in that sense, um, the, the law is the queen in parliament. So we have a link there. Um, but all our other links with the monarchy uh, are, are bonds of choice um, and affection. Uh, the bonds and affection that the Methodist Church chooses to have with the Queen and the bonds of affection uh, and choice that the Queen has chosen and been happy to have with the Methodist Church. These have been shown in various ways. When the Methodist Church in its present form came into existence in 1932 with the reunions of the big Methodist traditions at the great service in the Albert Hall for the inauguration, the then Duke and Duchess of York, who were the uh, Queen's uh, mother, uh, who later became they were George VI, and Queen Elizabeth, but when they were Duke and Duchess of York, they came to the great signing to inaugurate the Methodist Church. Uh, and um, the Queen has come to various occasions since then. Um, when Wesley's Chapel was reopened um, in 1978, uh, 200 years after its foundation, the Queen and the Duke came to Wesley's Chapel for the opening and the Duke uh, read one of the lessons. When the Anglican Methodist uh, present negotiations began again in a big way in 2003, the Queen came to the Methodist Central Hall in Westminster for the, uh, the signing and the commitment of the Church of England and Methodism at that point. And the Methodist conference every year sends um, a letter of greeting to the Queen uh, and in that letter we uh, highlight some of the most important things that are happening in the conference. We then um, assure the Queen um, uh, and her family that the, the, the Methodist people will be praying for them throughout the year. So that that is part of the bond on the side of, of Methodism. Uh, in the uh, traditional communion services that we we had uh, when Methodist Union came, of course, we inherited from the Anglicans the tradition of praying for the Queen uh, uh, at morning prayer. Um, and uh, but as each and then, of course, the national anthem was in the uh, Methodist hymn book, actually inside and had a hymn number. Uh, the the situation began to change because 
with hymns and songs, there was a debate, should the national anthem be there or not? And the compromise was that it was pasted in to the back of the hymn book. Uh, And that was the beginning of of a gradual change, because when our current singing the faith came out, I, I don't think there was any serious discussion about the national anthem being there. If anybody wanted it, they'd have to find it from somewhere else. And this is always this has been a reflection that although there might have been a common mind about the place of the Queen in the life and teaching uh, of the Methodist Church, uh, who we were, well, we were a, we were a, a church that um, was very English and very British uh, in the thirties. But as time went on, um, the Methodist Church became much more cosmopolitan uh, and also the breadth of uh, the typical British Methodist as to whether they were um, devoted to the Queen and thought the monarchy was a good thing, that uh, became much more uh, an issue. Uh, And so, uh, I mean, even I seem to recall now that um, uh, when the uh, letter to the Queen is read out, uh, there may be the odd little grunt or murmur in the Methodist conference from those who think um, we should have moved on from all this by now. But the, the general feeling is one of love and devotion and gratitude for the Queen's example and her commitment. And also her deep Christian faith uh, has resonated with the deep Christian faith of Methodists. Uh, So uh, the situation is that for some, the tide is going out on the monarchy uh, and for others uh, in the Methodist family, it is as strong as ever it was. Reverend Shalom McNeil Cooper is of British heritage but grew up in Canada, spending a large period of her childhood in Newfoundland. She went on to serve in the United Church in Canada before coming to the UK eight years ago and now ministers to Methodist churches in the Shrewsbury area. Coming from Canada, which is of course part of the Commonwealth, I asked Reverend Shalom how the last week has felt. My experience is not necessarily indicative of other Commonwealth countries or even Canada, uh, that this is my own personal lived experience. And I'm very aware of the privilege that I've had uh, of being of British descent in Canada, that there are some communities that do not necessarily hold these views, especially in light of truth and reconciliation and the culturally diverse um, nature of Canada. So for me, it's been... It's been difficult. There's a lot of emotions that have come up that I was surprised by uh, within myself. I found out actually about the Queen's death in a Church of England at a licensing service and I wept openly. Um, For me, it's been a bit more personal than I anticipated, um, as, as well as kind of this stunning figure within public life who is an example of faith and service. Um, growing up where I did, because we were the the last um, province to join Confederation, we still had very strong ties with Britain. I grew up uh, with the Canadian flag and the Union Jack in a lot of places. 
We sang God Save the Queen every day in school after the Lord's Prayer. Her photo uh, was in practically every public building and certainly within government buildings and the presence of the governor general and lieutenant governors who are the official representatives of, of the queen certainly were prominent in our, in our culture in the seventies and eighties. And, you know, just her figure on, on our money, on our passports. Um, she was there in some aspect every single day of our lives. And of course, our grannies and, and, and our grandparents and family, you know, coronation cups and old newspaper clippings of um, the history of the monarchy. So she's really been there every day of the majority of our lives. In the UK, the Queen's faith is part of her job as, as well as her as an individual. Did she talk much about her faith in Canada? Not that I can recall, I th- perhaps more for the Anglicans in Canada, which I was not a part, that might be the case. I know certainly their liturgical books certainly do make, make reference, obviously, to the Queen as, as the head of the Church of England um, and Anglicanism. Um, I think my perception of her was less as that religious uh, figure, but more of a governmental figure. I mean, she did visit Canada 22 times, which is more than any other Commonwealth nation. Um, and, um, she did often speak of, uh, you know, citizenship and that being very much an invitational, um, um, aspect for her. I can't necess- I can't necessarily say that I can conflate the two. However, I am very mindful that within the guiding and scouting movement of which many um children in Canada were a part, that at that time we did pledge to do our best to do our duty to God, the Queen, and the country. And I think in some respects that informed a more quiet faith rather than perhaps a public one, and inspired that sense of philia, that sense of love and of duty to God, the Queen and the country, to to better inhabit the role as a citizen, if anything. Last Sunday, you were leading services and had to navigate the death of the Queen as part of that. What was the impact on your ministry that day? Well, it's, it's deeply impacted my role as a minister because... As we inhabit this public role, we do bring aspects of ourselves, but we also inhabit uh, a public role and one that is mindful of pastoral needs where our congregations may not necessarily be of one mind about her death. Um, and certainly, um, respecting those who are older than myself, who, who may have different views. And it has been difficult because um, you put aside your own feelings to to minister to and to listen to those who may not have the same feelings that you do. Certainly, there are congregants who are bereft, others who say, right, this is how it is. And so being mindful of those pastoral sensitivities and, and being able to journey with people as they're in different places and different minds about this um, 
It's been very interesting. And certainly uh, because the death occurred on Thursday, when many of us had our worship services planned for Sunday, we really had to um, to rethink. So, for instance, myself, um, the appointed gospel reading for this past Sunday was on the lost coin and the lost sheep. And I listened to King Charles III's uh, address. And in reflecting on that, um, he did share that um, the prince, uh, the prince and princess of Wales, would be encouraged to follow in in a duty and in faith to seek those who are marginalized to bring them to the center. And in reflecting on that, I was thinking of the gospel, how the parable of the lost coin and the lost sheep is not only God seeking us, but us also seeking those who are marginalized, bringing them more to the center as well, that we should also seek those in need that are perhaps more invisible to our eyes to to bring them more to the center. So it was difficult to try to reflect on how to tie these two images together because we can't forsake the gospel um you know just to talk to just to talk about the the current climate but also to to address that in a way that is respectful and invitational um for people to be able to live out their faith. Um, even in a time of mourning or even in a time of indifference. Um, for some, they are indifferent to this. So it, it's been difficult to try to navigate those those nuances. And I think that's one of the blessings of Methodism is that we don't have to all be of one mind, that there is such a great emphasis on context and local church and societies and classes within that. Um, and I think it's the role of all those in whatever for ministry takes to to read the room, so to speak, um, and with integrity, um, be able to minister um, to those who are in need in a way that is also authentic to yourself. Leslie Griffiths retired from active ministry in the Methodist Church in 2017, but he's a life peer in the House of Lords and has written eight books and has had a long broadcasting career with the BBC. And since the Queen's death, he's been asked to write a number of pieces about her and her religion. I asked Leslie to tell me a little of why the Queen was so positive about proclaiming her faith. She did um, have that famous encounter with Billy Graham very early in her life. Now, she was brought up a conventional Anglican, um, and it was always part of her life. But when he came, I think it was 1955, perhaps it was earlier, I can't remember, but uh, certainly um, he came round to the palace, uh, to the consternation of many people. And um, I think that he had fired her with something that was immediate. I think it had always been background, but it became immediate and natural. And that's what impressed me about her, her expressions of faith. Some of us, like me, you know, go endlessly to theological college and pile up um, books we write or read and um, seminars that we go to and so on. And when we open our mouths to speak about our faith, it all comes out complicated. But she, she just opened her mouth and it seemed like the most natural thing in the world to be a Christian and to talk about Jesus. I found that so attractive. I honestly did. Services. A Methodist calling and service was clearly a calling important to the Queen as well. Well, I mean, she gave an undertaking in Cape Town all those years ago, didn't she? That uh, for as long as her life would last. Um, and of course, we all 
well, every year we make New Year's resolutions. Um, but promises we make in various uh, aspects of our life and so on. And, and it's surprising, really. Every Lent, we're going to give up this. How quickly do the promises we make to ourselves and to others sort of fade away or get compromised? But in her case, she said it and she did it. I think that that's the extraordinary thing, uh, that she did it. Uh, at various stages in her life, I wondered whether she'd think of stepping down. Uh, I didn't think she would very early, but I thought, well, uh, you know, when the Queen Mother dies, perhaps, um, or when the Duke of Edinburgh dies, perhaps, or perhaps when the accumulation of domestic troubles that she had to shoulder was just too much and she wanted to focus on the home side of things. I thought of several moments when she might have bowed out, but she didn't. She said it, she did it. And I find well, to be quite honest, and I have thought this to myself many times, that one of the most attractive things about Jesus for me is that he does what he says. There's no difference between um, his words and his deeds. The Sermon on the Mount is followed at once by healing and touching a leper, for example. Um, so um, there was something quite Christ-like about the fact that between what she said and did there was there was that you couldn't you couldn't put a a cigarette paper as i like to say it was just all organic and you've met the queen on a few occasions what was it like to be in her presence well um I, well we didn't you know cross our legs and, and 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 have a long evening ending with a cognac or anything like that but um but <laughs> Um, I was president of the Boys Brigade and, and, uh, we were summoned to Balmoral, a little party of us, four boys, one from England, one from Wales, one from Ireland, one from Scotland, and a couple of us, you know, old fogies. And, uh, so we, we arrived at Balmoral because she intended in her diamond jubilee year to see someone from every charity of which she was patron. And we were one of them. And so we went there. And it was just after she had gone on with um, with James Bond uh, onto the helicopter that took her supposedly to Stratford for the opening of the Olympic Games. So I made a, a little speech about um, how energetic she'd proved herself to be. She really had put herself about that year. And particularly, I said, your latest adventure with James Bond. Well, she giggled at that, and then she, quite a giggle, and then we all giggled because she was giggling. And, um, and, and yes, she, she loved doing it. And I said, wasn't it lovely for the dogs? And there was one corgi sleeping at her feet. I said, was that one of them? Oh, yes, she said. Yes, it was. I said, and where's the other one? Dead, she said. Now, I can promise you that when you're making a speech in august settings like that, and you're nervous, and you want to say the right thing, and in sentences that make sense, to be have that an interjection of that kind uh, really is a shot below the waterline. Um, even the most loquacious, and I'm one of them, sort of speakers, finds himself challenged by a punctilious piece of information like that, dead. Well, we then giggled about the fact that we lost the thread of what I was going to say, and everybody laughed at me for a while, and it was fun. But it was really the way that she got on with the boys. She just wasn't natural with them. She could have been their grandmother. 
I mean, pompous old me making a speech, that's one thing. That's a bit of the mm. expectations of, of, of the setting. But, but the boys weren't. And she just loved chatting to them, what they wanted to do, what their favorite this was, and um, blah, blah, blah. So that's what I remember from Balmoral. And, of course, it's all come back to me because she died in Balmoral. And it was just nice to think that I could think very creatively about the time we'd spent together there. Other times, well, it was uh, less cursory, more cursory than that. Uh, I mean, um, uh, in the Guildhall on one occasion, George Thomas, the former Speaker of the House of Commons, Methodist local preacher, um, introduced me to the Queen. This is the President of the Methodist Conference, Your Majesty. And she said, and what does the President of the Methodist Conference do? Well, put on the spot, <laughs> I could have said many things, couldn't I? Um, but I found myself saying, well, um, it, it's twofold. First of all, um, I cheer the troops up. That's my job. Um, the folks, the good Methodists, wherever they are. The second is, I represent them to the world beyond Methodism. Oh, she said, just like my job which I thought was a charming one-liner. She's good at one-liners, very good at one And People have told me that. And then I saw her at garden parties in Buckingham Palace and um, various things like that. So it, it's been sort of, you know, on the edge, but close enough for me just to witness a person who is altogether herself. It does feel rather strange that instantaneously at the moment the Queen died, we have a new king with Charles III. He is a very good-hearted, a very almost prophetic man with a common touch that we'll all benefit from. So for me, the whole of this occasion post the death of the Queen has been this curious co-mingling of joy and sorrow um, because you don't know whether to be happy or sad. There are moments when you see something happening on the television and you feel tearful about it because it's so extraordinarily moving. And at the next, you're all having a bit of fun because somebody's met somebody and have huge smiles on people's faces and so on. Sorrow and love flow mingled down, said Isaac Watts in, in, in his great hymn. Well, this was joy and sorrow flowing mingled down. And it, it's just been... Uh, enervating and just um, well, just 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 marvelous to witness it all. She was a remarkable person. We end this week's podcast with a prayer from the Reverend Michaela Youngson, Assistant Secretary of the Methodist Conference, as she led the daily service on BBC Radio Four Longwave on Thursday, the fifteenth of September. Let us pray. God of majesty and grace, we bring before you our prayers for your world, your church and ourselves. We give thanks for the life of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II and for our new king as he takes on the mantle of sovereignty. Help him and all of us to notice and to respond to those things that need attention. Make us good citizens of the kingdom of heaven. We give thanks for our own lives, for the families and friends we love. Help us to notice and respond to those around us in love and grace. Make us good participants in your mission.
In the name of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. You can find prayers, reflections, resources and guidance to mark the death of the Queen on the Methodist Church website. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Methodist Church. From myself, Mike Ivett, goodbye. Goodbye.